when when somebody spills milk on your floor like are you just gonna sit there and be like oh man who spilled this milk like what's what are you guys doing no you you go and you wipe it up you mm. solution and it's done like like all your problems are pretty much like that you go figure it out figure out how to make the most out of it i mean there's always always bigger problems out there everything is possible just hustle just hustle the million dollar hustle podcast where we keep it real a stated entrepreneurship wisdom learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke here's your host billy the kid aka billionaire everything is possible just hustle just hustle everything is possible just hustle welcome to the million dollar hustle podcast baby where you're gonna learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke it's your boy billy the kid aka bdk aka billionaire and i just got done interviewing david baderman out of lincoln nebraska uh i want to send a shout out to him man because uh We've had a few conversations in the past. Uh, we've definitely talked, but not uh, to this extreme. And, and, you know, the little bits and pieces that I gathered, I wanted to get his story out there, man, uh, as far as at least with the stuff that I'm doing, um, because it's a very interesting story. And, he, and this dude is just killing the game, man. He's he's killing it. So I can't wait for you guys to listen to today's podcast that uh, we talked about some amazing things, uh, beyond, you know, the real estate, uh, because, uh, one, one point that I want to make that I always try to, even in the mastermind and, and everything else that I'm doing is, uh, your mindset has to be right. And if your mindset is not right, then you cannot do any other business, whether it's real estate, whether it's, uh, owning a coffee shop, whatever it is that you want to do, if your mindset is not straight, then you're not going to get to do it. And, and that's, that's, uh, been proven. So always work on yourself. And it's something we talked about. Uh, this dude had some great, uh, mindset stuff. So I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Uh, before we get into the show though, um, we we did open another spot. It is 2023, man. What are you doing to get your goals going? What are you doing differently this year than last year? What are you repeating this year from the same as last year that gave you results? Uh, and with that being said, I'm opening that spot so, for the mastermind. So if anybody wants to join the Get Uncomfortable Mastermind, Hit me up, info at Billy the Kid with your story and what you got going on so that way we can look at to see if you fit the group of uh, people that we have. Um, also, one-on-one coaching. If anybody's out there interested in uh, jumping in the one-on-one coaching, it is a new year. What Again, what are you doing different this year to get you to that next level? So uh, info at BillyTheKid.com. Uh, overall, I'm dropping a lot of music, so follow me on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, and all that. Um, and then if you haven't yet, The Power of Being Uncomfortable is out everywhere. But uh, after I get all that out of my system, uh, I'm excited, man. Uh, today is a f- Thursday. Uh, I was going to say Friday, but you know what's crazy about that is that uh, whenever you're chasing a purpose, your passion, doing what you love, you have to get so busy that you forget what day it is. And if you're not forgetting what day it is, then you're not doing those things. You're not chasing your passion. You're not chasing your purpose. You're not doing things that you love. So it's time to think about that. Uh, Become so busy that you forget what day it is. It's a it's a big, 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 big thing that uh, and, you know, thank God, like I I can definitely see it. (laughs) Like literally, I just had that moment right now. Um, But the point is uh, the point that I want to make is next week. I'm actually 
going to Disney World, and I'm whispering because my daughters don't know it yet. Um, and on top of my daughters going, it's me and the wife and my two girls. Uh, we're actually surprising, uh, not so much surprising, uh, but we we just called our moms. Uh, we just called my wife's mom and my mom for them to join. Everything paid for, and I'm bringing that up because uh, you know, and it's right now it's closer to Christmas if you're watching this after, but um, I bring this up because that's what this is all about. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're, we told them like, hey, it's, you know, middle of November, the holidays are coming. This is your gift is you coming to us for a week to Orlando and hitting up the parks at Disney World and all that. Um, at the end of our life, guys, this memory that we're about to go make is worth more than giving them something with material stuff uh so that's why it's important and that's why i'm letting you guys know and uh I, you know one of the reasons why i started doing everything that i'm doing was to give my mom you know whatever i can uh, and this is one way of doing that because uh it, it is a blessing right like uh, and i want to thank god for all the blessings that He's giving me and the wife and, and everybody around me because uh, this is the reason. This is why we do what we do. So I can't wait. Um, I'm sure I'm going to do a vlog. So hit up YouTube. Uh, subscribe to my YouTube for that vlog. Um, by the time this is out, then that vlog is already out too. So check it out. Um, it's a blessing. And, and as of right now, um, uh, we're still figuring out scheduling and all that, but as of right now, it sounds like it's going to happen with our moms. Uh, so I'm, I'm super excited, man. That's what life is all about is making memories that is worth more than money. Uh, memories is worth more than material things. So, And I can't sit here and lie that because of money, we're able to do that. So uh, that that's where the argument comes in with me where it's like, oh, money isn't everything. And it's like, yeah, it's very important. So uh, with that being said, um, I'm excited. So I'll let you guys know probably on the next episode, see how it went. And uh, again, check out the vlog, YouTube at Billy the Kid, D-H-A-K-I-D-D. But let's get into it, man. I'm excited for you guys to check out the interview I just got done doing with David. It is fire. Nothing but gems in this one. So Check it out. Let's get it, baby. Vamanos. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, baby. I am excited today. I have somebody that uh, we've talked multiple times, but we never really got to talk about our stories fully. So I am excited. David, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me, man. Good, good. Uh, no, and th thanks for coming by. I know we've been kind of going back and forth. We were having awesome conversations that I wish we were already recording prior to the recording. So I'm, I'm uh, excited to dig in and and uh, hear what you have to say, man, because you were already predicting all kinds of crazy stuff. You're like the Kiyosaki of Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. There you go. That, Let's have um, Kiyosaki speak a couple months ago. It was. Oh, it was, nice. It was wild. Where at? uh vegas oh so was it that one uh was it clever yeah okay oh and my god was, i missed that one i couldn't believe the stuff he was saying <laughs> yeah it was wild it was wild I'll, <laughs> some, I'll some predictions if you need it, what, what's like uh three things that stood out from just that meetup i mean well kiyosaki said teachers are communists <laughs> 
and and I was just wild and he kind of I mean he just went off on a tangent his story is fascinating where he was in the Marines and everything mm-hmm. uh listening to him listening to Ed Milet you know just do one more every day and and his I think that was the first time he did his speech which he's done like a numerous times since then I think this was this was around April 24 20 we were in Vegas and one more every day you know he talked about how his dad uh passed away and stuff and it was it was fascinating there was there's a lot of good takeaways yeah his book is awesome uh i i heard him speak in may i want to say and uh oh man like i i'm pretty sure i had a tear coming down my eye like uh, you know after yeah. the dad that, like it, it was impressive yeah it was yeah, powerful. powerful uh and actually let's start with that man um because we talked a little bit about education earlier and What's uh, one book? We, we have book of the week. And so we I, I let you choose the book of the week. And, it, you know, it, it could be something we've talked about before. But what is one book that comes to your head right away that has changed your life completely, whether it's an older one or a newer one? Well, my favorite book of all time is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And he also wrote I think he only wrote like two books which is a path to surrender is he kind of gets into his business more. But I think Oprah like voted it the best book of all time to the untethered soul but that one it's just a mindset book and and that that's the most important thing i mean we were talking you can you can learn everything you want about real estate and you should always keep learning but the mindset's way more important than the knowledge yeah we we were just having that conversation we're actually having a coffee uh (laughs) instead of beers right now (laughs) um it's cold it's what like 15 degrees or something crazy out there Uh, but uh, we were we were just talking prior to uh, recording that, yeah, you you know if you if your mindset is not right, then it doesn't matter what business you want to get into. And yeah. I truly I believe that because I, exactly. with my experience, like with my experience, the music, it was the same. The you know construction, the real estate, the the book, like every single business has been the same. And you couldn't do it without the right mindset. So if you could elaborate elaborate a little more on that, well, it's. I mean, and it's something I still struggle with today. It's, it's the scarcity mindset. Like there's not going to be enough for everybody. And a lot of people think like, like if you make $10, somebody else is losing $10, but it's not that way. Real life ain't that way. Like the pie just keeps growing, especially when they printed trillions of dollars. Like last last year they printed an insane amount of money. So like, it's just, it's not a zero sum game. It's if you're doing good, you can teach me things like, like you're good at influence. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out what all, cause you do one good thing and influence a bunch of people. And like, it's, it's one to many. So there's, mm. I mean, when you, when you make $10, somebody doesn't lose $10, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I feel like that comes from, uh, like where we come from, maybe our, 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 oh, where yeah. we, where we grew up at, uh, it's funny. I was at my mom's the other day, uh, and to make a long story short, one thing that hit me, like when I put a pool in my backyard, that mindset came back of like my mom telling me, Hey, shut the water off. The bill's going to be high. Right. (laughs) And dude, it was like 50 bucks more. Like after fooling, filling up a whole pool. So the other day I was at my mom's helping her with her toilet. Actually, I went out there for lunch. And so I'm like, Hey, let me look into that while I'm here or whatever. And, uh, she, something started happening with the water. She's like, Oh my God, do you want to turn it off? And I'm like, mom, I'm like, it's and so I, I told her straight up. I'm like, Hey, you know, that pool that I filled up, it was only 50 bucks. Like, yeah, 50 bucks, but 
in my head at that time, if I were to look back, I thought that was like a thousand dollar bill or something, you know, (laughs) some crazy. Yeah. It's just bigger problems. Yeah. I grew up, I mean, my dad was like literally the biggest tight ass of all time. I mean, he was the way he grew up. Like, I mean, we're putting water in the ketchup bottles to get the last little bit out of ketchup. You know, when the ketchup is like 50 cents for the whole bottle back, you know, it's like we got to get the last bit of ketchup. I mean, I think our soap's still watered down back home, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like he does pretty well. I mean, I came from like middle class, maybe low middle class, but we never, I didn't have to, to want anything. I mean, we had Christmas presents mm-hmm. every Christmas, you know, and, and I came from a loving family. My mm-hmm. parents are still together. God bless them. But like my dad was literally the biggest the biggest tight ass yeah <laughs> like how how do you work because uh you know one one action way that i've actually worked on the scarcity mindset from our past is by almost uh every month like you know updating everything like our financials and everything and kind of seeing like okay we can afford and i'll just be funny a double whopper instead of a, a whopper right like uh i think it you know, I heard this on the podcast once that it's good to update your scarcity mindset. Like, where are you at? So you know that you can eat better. You can do. So it's a struggle, man. I, I fight it literally every day because also we can't forget frugality is God as where we're at. Yeah, so, exactly. And so I mean, there's pros and cons to everything. But like how I try to do it, and I've done a decent job of this, is just like focus so much on how can you make more money. And then you don't have to worry about all the little expenses. All of a sudden, you know, this, this $50 extra water bill isn't the, that bad when you're making mm. five grand more a month. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so I try to just focus on making more money. Cause I mm-hmm. think my dad was just the opposite where he's, he, he was literally great at saving every little dime. I mean, we still got this boat from like 35 years ago. That's in like mint condition and he's maintained it like perfect. It saved it. I mean, the guy's just great at saving money, which is, which is great, especially when you're doing apartments, like you want to cut expenses. And I've been looking at that a lot in the last month of of all my, everything I have going on. I'm like, we got to cut expenses. Now's a really good time to cut expenses because it's, it's kind of slower in the market because all these interest rates are rising. Uh, But it, you know, you want to cut expenses, but you also want to just focus on how can I make more money? And every year, everybody should do this, you know, even every quarter, Like go back, how did I make the most money this quarter? What exactly happened? Like I got this deal from this scenario, you know, this guy brought me this, this, this happened and, and then do that again. Mm. And then you keep doing that. That's what I've done over the past. I mean, 10 years, every year I try to figure out, oh, this deal was a home run. How did that happen? A lot of people think, you know, this was just luck. It just happened. Like, I'm not going to hit that again. Well, figure out exactly how you hit Mm -hmm. that again and then try to replicate it. Mm. And you do that over and over for so long. Like, you start doing big deals, highly profitable deals, and you get paid more for your time. Man, powerful. And and it's true because it reminds me of, like, just overall, like, okay, you know, vacancies, for example, like, how do I not worry about vacancies? Buy more. Like, you know, even with rentals, for example. So I love that approach. Uh, and so you're, you're, I would like to hear what, what is your main bread and butter when it comes to real estate? Because you, I, I know you do a little bit of wholesaling, you do a little flipping, you do a, like almost a little bit of everything, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I, 
put it in my head as a diversification. I like to diversify in real estate, even like I'm, I, 90% of my knowledge is, is that's where I want to spend 90% of my money and 90% of my knowledge is definitely real estate. But I want to, you know, I have some big Airbnbs, I have some apartments and then I, I'll always have houses. So I just kind of, I like to figure out what the market need is and feed the market need. Like I've done a lot of wholesaling. Most people know me as a wholesaler and we, we've wholesaled some big deals. Um, but I also, you know, I have a hundred units or so. I mean, I'm part of some syndications. I got equity in a lot of different units. Um, but my, I guess my bread and butter is still wholesaling. Uh, just because I, I don't, I've been doing it for so long. Nobody was doing it when I first started. And I think everybody should at least learn to wholesale or at least learn to acquire properties at a big discount. Mm. I mean, all wholesaling is, is you figuring out how to prior acquire properties at a big discount. If you can do that, everything else takes care of itself. Like that solves a lot of your problems. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of know rehab, but like you get a house for 90 grand instead of a hundred grand, like your rehab budget. Yeah. It's okay if it gets yeah. a little out of control and you find surprises. Yeah. So to me, wholesaling is just the foundation of real estate investing. And if you figure out how to do that, then you have a good foundation and you're, you're going to be okay. Yeah. No, so wholesaling for sure. is just super important for everybody to learn how to I, do it. And it almost makes me think one thing I always uh, like to say is like sales marketing. I feel like uh, if in any business that you get into, if you know sales marketing, yeah. you got it made because literally whatever business you want to get into, that's, Hundred <laughs> percent. So I, lo I love that approach because it's literally that concept of yeah. Uh, that's all wholesaling is: is sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. So you that's what it teaches you. And you you talked about a hundred units. That's nothing to sneeze about, man. Like congrats, like that. That's awesome. Uh, how obviously it didn't happen overnight. Uh, what was the first deal, and then what was the next step that you remember that you took from that first deal? where you're like, okay, that was the other stepping stone that got me to the hundred units. I mean, it, it was a, it was a different time. It was 10 years ago, roughly the first deal I ever did. And I like, I was so scared, but I, and I was, I started like 50 grand in debt. So you can do this with no money. Like I didn't have no money. I was charging bandit signs on a credit card that I was about ready to max out. And I was like the only one in town putting bandit signs out. So, so my phone would ring and I'd like, be so scared to answer it and finally like this lady i was working construction i have a big construction background i was i was doing trim in a house i can still remember and this lady just kept calling me and leaving me messages and, and i started talking to her you know and kind of developed rapport and it was just a real cheap house in the south bottoms i mean it was like a twenty thousand dollar house and she keeps calling me and it's like david you know i inherited this house i have no idea what to do with it it's just sitting vacant the taxes you know she's paying taxes on it and it's just, you know, breaking this lady. She had a tight budget. She was an older lady. And she's like, I know you can help me, Dave. And she's begging me to buy this. <laughs> I was like, fine. Okay. So she called me enough times where I, hey, go look at the house. And I'm like, okay, well, here's what I can do. I can put it up on Zillow and see what happens. So I, so I put it up on Zillow. So I don't own, which is probably completely illegal now. But nobody was using Zillow and like, like the buyers were the problem. There was deals everywhere back then, but the buyers were the problem, which is probably where we're headed. Uh, but I put it up on Zillow and some guy called me and he's like, yeah, I'll do it. And I like wrote up an assignment, a contract in the car 
Well, first, I, I, I didn't have it under contract, so I went and got the contract from the, from the lady after we negotiated a price with the buyer and, and negotiated, like, I think it was like a $2,500 fee. And my buyer looked right at it and he's like, yeah, that's no problem. We'll close in a week. And, and that was the first deal. Good old days, huh? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, I stumbled across it. It that's wasn't awesome. pretty, but, it, but I got it done. And then the second deal was a lot better. But it was the same thing. So, so running banded signs and and made like twelve k on the second deal. Stumbled through that thing too. But so it's safe it. to say that wholesaling was your start from the beginning. Oh, for sure. Yeah, okay. I, didn't, I couldn't do anything else. I put myself in a position where I I knew I if if I started broke and I could figure out how to make money in real estate broke, then it, everything else would get would get easier. And a lot of other investors I looked at, like the, the most successful ones were the ones that started broke with no money because you have to wholesale and then wholesaling becomes the foundation. So mm -hmm. don't start broke, but like pretend like you're broke and you have no money yeah. is a good way to start. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Uh, and, and I think it's important too to anybody that uh, maybe they're thinking about their first deal or whatever. Uh, I would say, and you tell me, I love the pros and cons. So you tell me, but I always like to say nowadays, whether it is through wholesaling, whether it is through whatever other medium, save 30 to 50 K before you jump in a deal, because from my experience, and I'm sure you can relate to this. I've had actually not going too long ago. This literally just happened, uh, three on Sunday, three days ago, four days ago. Uh, we've, finished this uh turnover for for a rental and uh you know flooring everything was good to go and of course uh pipe breaks right and uh it, those are the instances where it makes me think like okay we're gonna be okay we're gonna be we're gonna have to go redo all the flooring you know i'm sure you can relate uh but that's where it hits me like you know that that uh that mentality of no money at that point, like, what would you do if all you had was the the budget to finish that house? And all of a sudden, here you are with a seven, ten thousand uh, dollar loss or whatever. Um, so if you could elaborate a little bit. I, and like I said, I, I usually say 30 to 50, especially nowadays with the way the dollar is. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> elaborate on what what to do when you got just, just overall, like the whole because you did mention no money, uh, and, but you also did say that, hey, it's good to get. Some, you know, you had your wholesaling going. Uh, if anybody out there listening that maybe right now is that maybe they have 500 bucks in their bank account, uh, what would be a starting point for them where you could give them that nest, right? Where they could feel safe, but then also, no, also go out there and do it. I mean, there's a lot of free ways to, to market in today's world. I mean, you got Facebook, you got this podcast. I mean, I would listen to a bunch of podcasts, get yourself educated so you know what you're doing i mean there's so much free information out now it's it's crazy so i mean try to get into a habit i mean i used to wake up at five in the morning and read a book just because like i had to get out of the situation i was in because i hated being in debt and so i would just wake up earlier and educate myself for an hour so if you don't have any money you should be educating yourself carving out time in your schedule to educate yourself every day and and make a new habit make one new habit you know, figure that out and then things will come. Mm, love it. And see, and those are the things that, uh, again, if you can't do the little things, guys, you're not going to be able to flip a house or, you know, all the, the other nice things that you can do, but it all starts from those little, 
uh, things. So I love that, man. Um, so what was the first unit that you owned from the hundred units that you own now? So you started with the wholesale that led into a little more wholesaling. What was the first unit that, uh, had your name on it? Uh, it was this just beautiful place down in the North bottoms. Uh, I mean, great, great area. It's rough, rough. <laughs> I, I think a guy may have, I don't even want to talk about that, uh, but the lady, yeah, the lady was just real desperate to sell it. And, uh, I happened to meet, like, I was just desperate for anything because I had no money. So I started meeting with these old school investors. They had coffee every Wednesday night. And I just started, this one guy had like 15, 20 vacancies. And so I'm like, man, I can help you with that problem because I knew how to market for tenants like way better than these old school guys did. It's like, I can at least help you with the problem. And I started, you know, helping him out. And uh, long story short, like he was the one who gave me the private money because I couldn't get a bank loan at the time. And he gave me uh private money to buy the house at a certain percentage, a reasonable percent. And then I put some money into it. And, uh, yeah, it's, I think I got it for 55 grand. It's written at about a thousand now, mm. but it's, it's kind of, I liked it cause it was bulletproof cause I'm in construction and like these, I know I was going to have to rent to college kids mm -hmm. and this things like double drywall and all wood floors, no carpet. And these kids have, uh, yeah, an interesting story. Like, they'll throw parties down there because by the stadium. It's big for tailgating. So I'm always telling them, you know, you guys got to not throw parties and, and not – they're blocking off the driveway, which is half the neighbors. But mm -hmm. <laughs> two years ago, the tenant – I got a message because I have uh, answering service now. And so I'll get – they'll call in, and then I just get an email saying, you know, what, what the call was about. And so I get this email, and it says – yeah, this is your neighbor down on North 8th Street, and uh, your your tenants crashed their car into the house, and it looks like it's going to fall over. <laughs> that was wow. the email I got. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I better check that out. Oh, my <laughs> God. So, yeah, it wasn't that big a deal. God bless the tenants ended up fixing it. And, did and actually I feel nice like people job. always make the problem worse oh, than what yeah, it is. Yeah, they like, exaggerated it. And especially tenants. But, uh, okay, so – you have an answering service. So are you self-managing right now? Uh, I have a couple different managing companies because I got some townhomes in Kansas with a really good property manager down there. Uh, and we just transitioned into Arrow on some stuff we have here in town. Uh, I got a, I got a rock star leasing agent right now. So she kind of is managing my houses and doing other stuff, but she just gets really good rent. And we're kind of going the opposite of all these everybody else where we're being personable with the new tenants. And, and that just helps us get better rent. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have a maintenance guy. So, I, I mean, it's the a bigger mixture. stuff I have rolled over to property managers. Yeah. And then kind of the houses, I just have kind of an in-house team do it. At what point did you extend that way? Because I'm assuming, you know, the first few houses... It wasn't like that. Uh, at what point did you decide, you know why I need to get a property management in here? I mean, houses are pretty easy. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It, it's just a building. I mean, I kind of look at everything on a case-by-case -case basis. Like if this is like my, my gal who cleans also manages my Airbnbs. And it's just, to me, it's a case, like we have a 26 units off of, 12th and 13th and a and b and it's like that's right by arrow's office it's a good project for arrow to have it i yeah. i don't want to take all that that on. makes wow i like that approach 
So they're so right across the street. Of, yeah, you try to play to other people's strengths and and know your own weaknesses. I'm not good at managing property. Man, love it. No, that that's awesome. Uh, so at what point did you scale it from, you know, the because you started with a single family. So when was that uh, milestone that you hit your, you know, maybe your first duplex or fourplex or? Well, I always, I like to wholesale stuff before I own it, honestly, because you learn a lot. So mm. I actually got a sixplex years ago and I wholesaled it to a guy. Well, I took on a partner, but I took an acquisition fee on it and then we flipped it together. And it's just thing like I was talking about in the beginning. I was like, I mean, the flip we made like 50K. Then I think I made like 10 on the wholesale. So I made 10 up front, then 25 at the end. And like all we had to do was some paint and rent it out. And that bumped up the value so much that it was, it was like the easiest flip I did. And, and it was a, it was like a gimme 50K. It took us like a month. Like, mm. it's like, oh, maybe I should look at doing more of these. Yeah. So that, that kind of opened my eye. And then it's just a matter of, finding more of those wow i love that you know you said wholesale things before i own it that that's definitely uh one way to get your your foot in the door and and learn a little more about what you're about to get into so i love that yeah wholesaling teaches you a lot i mean and you get to talk to a bunch of cash investors usually and you get a million different opinions i mean i've been once you do that for a long time it's nice having all these other investors opinions that you get and you just learn from them all every little detail Mm. Man, I love that. Uh, there's a couple things that I would like to uh, touch on. Uh, you you said even that first house that uh, you kind of brought something to the investor, the older investor. Uh, can you give me a little more information on how important is it to bring something to the table, we'll say, because that you, you solved somebody's problem and then now you had somebody that was able to help you. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on that? I mean, that's that's what we're doing in this whole business. It's like you're solving problems like, and you get paid, you know, in perspective of the problems you solve, the bigger problem you solve, the, the more you get paid. So, I mean, I just saw a guy who had a bunch of vacancies and I was like, there's he's, that's a problem because vacancies eat into your cash flow. The guy's got a hundred units of 17 vacancies. He can't be making no money. So I just, you know, would try to help him. And like, I don't remember like, he was tiling his floor at like nine thirty, ten o'clock at night after we were having coffee. And this dude was like 70 years old. And I'm like, man, I'll go help you with that. Like, like I was, you know, 28 at the time or something, 30. And I'm like, I can help you with that. I'm going to be better suited for that than, you. you know, it's just, it's just doing the right thing. And I had time at that point. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'll do whatever I can to help you out so I can learn like ins and outs of the business of what it's like owning a hundred properties in town. And, I mean, Man. If, if you see a problem and you have the means to solve it, I mean, I think we're all kind of ingrained to do that. Humanity's kind of ingrained to do that if you kind of listen to your subconscious and just you see a problem, you know how to solve it. I mean, you see litter on the ground, pick it up, man. Just pick it up and throw it away. It ain't going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Man, that's, that's true. That, that you, you touched on a lot of different things in there. I, I love that. Uh, and yeah, especially... You know, I, I think that's where the problems come from is if you don't have a system or a way to put yourself in different areas at, at once. We were just talking about that off air and, and you know, just kind of hearing that story from that landlord. It's like that's one place to tile out of 
you know, however many units he had to do at that time. So it's, uh, and if we could kind of head into that, um, because obviously you're practicing that and we were just talking about it off air, how it is tough when you, all you know is hard work. Uh, and I relate to that because that's what we were taught, right? Like hard work pays off. So, uh, I, I think that, uh, you, you can't let go of that pedal, right? Like, uh, I think once you get to certain levels, like you have to remind yourself, well, hard work is what got me here. But I also feel like, uh, you do have to do hard work and then you, you're able to build an empire where you can pick and choose your battles, I think. And, um, so if you could give me your perspective on that. Oh, it's just, would you rather work hard or work smart? I mean, and I, I've known construction, you know, it's a 25, I, you know, I started making like 25 an hour. Now, you know, the trade's worth like 50. And uh, I mean, it was very hard to break out of that. Cause all I knew, like you get up, you go to work. I used to frame houses and frame apartments and we would get up, go to work unless it was negative 10 or colder wind chill. And I would work every day. And that's just what we did. Like, so in order to like break out of that, I just had to just keep educating myself, keep looking for people that had done it you know, came before me and that are killing it in real estate because I knew in real estate, you can make a really high number per hour. I knew in real estate, you can make way more money than, than construction work. Like it's just, so I just, I slowly had to transition out of that. And, and it was like, every time I was working, I was listening to podcasts. When I was finishing a basement, I'd be listening to podcasts on real estate, how to negotiate deals. How old were you at that time? I was, I was about 30. It was about 10 years ago. Okay. Okay. So 10 years ago. So that was way before kind of like the first few deals. Yeah. Well, I like, I, I educated myself a lot before I finally did a deal. It probably took me, yeah, six to 12 months. I don't really remember from the time I was at a seminar learning exactly what wholesaling was. I was like, this, I can do this until I finally did a deal it was, it was a while. I'm a slow implementer. Yeah. Slow yeah. No progress. No, that, well, you say that, but I think that was fast. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and I, we, we've been spitting fire uh, without even, if you could tell us a little bit about, because uh, I would like to dissect your story. Like, you know, we, we've kind of made it to where you're at right now, but where are you from? I'm from the middle of Nebraska, Johnson Lake. And I went to school. I mean, I played eight man football. My senior class had 16 people in it. Uh, we were like a tight knit group. Uh, I went to college at a community college in Hastings, had a daughter when I was my sophomore year of college. And I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do in college, but I just kept working construction. I mean, I worked for my shop teacher in high school in the summers where we were actually flipping houses on Johnson Lake. I didn't know it at the time. I was just doing what I was told, but like turn around he was making like 100k like, you're a smart dude <laughs> in the summer you know we're just doing additions in the summer yeah and you know that i worked for another guy in college and i did i just had no idea what i wanted to do and what were you going to college for i have a degree in cisco networking and electronic technology an associates of applied science degree if never used it once <laughs> didn't matter would you do it again uh, I mean, it, it was fun. I enjoyed college a lot. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. Met a lot of cool people. Shout out to Owen. Uh, he made a point cause I I'm probably the biggest, like uh, I'm against college. Like, you know, I, I'll sit here and argue that, but 
But you know what? Owen made a great point uh, that I never thought about. And uh, he said, people don't look at the relationships that college will yeah. build. And it's so true because I can't sit here and say, hey, you know, we I have my college buddies that we hang out. And, you know, so that was awesome. And, and I bet you even from those relationships, because you're a little older than high school. So you would think uh, the maturity is a little bit more there. So, oh, yeah. you know, so anyways, uh, after he said that, I'm like, all right, dude. I'm going back to college. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. Maybe Shout out to Owen. <laughs> it, it's, uh, I mean, my daughter's in college. I was against it. I think, like, how are you supposed to know what, what you're going to do when you're 18, 19, 20 years old? I mean, I, I don't know how you're what's, supposed to know what you're supposed to do. And the rest what's of your the life. teaching like with that? Uh, how, what, like, um, obviously we're going to back up our kids, right? Like we're going to have their back, but what was the teaching like with your daughter about college? Like what, what was said, you know, about college? Well, she was going, she wasn't going to listen. So to she me. made up her mind already. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and it was COVID year. I mean, just, I was like, just take a break here, you know, take a gap here. It was 2020, you know, it's like perfect year to take it, but she, she had her mind made up, which, which is good. I mean, 18 it's... year old girls you, after like 14, they don't listen to nothing, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, I mean, it, it's very, she was really good. Got a lot of scholarships. Uh, I don't think she's got any loans and she going to Spain in oh, January. That's awesome. So, so I think that's, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. sitting on board with that. I was like, that is, yeah. that's great. But like, a lot of these people are paying, you know, whatever it is, 30 grand a year for, for relationships. And, and like, <laughs> what can you find online for free? Mm. The online education for free, 90% of the time, is going to be better than the college professor that hasn't really done what he's teaching. Mm. Like there's certain things like they're like you know, the fake gurus lawyer, online. I mean, you got to get certified <laughs> lawyers, doctors, you got to go to college, but the rest of it, I mean, that's, it's tough to justify the bill. Yeah. No, I agree. And and I think uh, just a great reminder for everybody listening, we're in the greatest nation on earth. And it's like, you have the opportunity to choose and, and I don't, and when I say college, like, it's not like, you know, I'm that obviously, I would hope that my doctor is going, you know, went to college, so he knows what he's doing. So I definitely uh, respect that. And, and I agree with that. Um, I think that uh, for certain professions, like you obviously have to go and then, but the nice thing is we're in this great nation where you could go become a doctor and start your own office, you know, and kind of build an empire from there. So uh, totally agree. But I didn't mean to, uh, anyways, you mentioned college, but uh, so if you could go back to your story and kind of move on from just the college, like you, you got your business degree and what, oh, yeah. what happened? Which did like nothing. I just kept working construction because I couldn't, I didn't like what I was, I just wasn't into it. And I was into construction. I moved to Lincoln when I was 21. I went to Central Community College in Hastings from. Why did you move to Lincoln? I just didn't like the town. You know, I was bored to death. I didn't like the people. I didn't have, you know, the friends I wanted. Like there's a lot of friends I liked in Lincoln. And it just felt like the right thing to do. The opportunities I thought were greater and there was just more to do. And I was 21 and I just couldn't, I couldn't take where I was, where I was living and just the people I was around. Mm. So I decided to, to move to Lincoln. Shout out uh, to the tri cities, man. I have a lot of uh, like some following out there with my music and stuff. Uh, Grand Island and yeah. Hastings and Carney and <laughs> yeah. I mean, Carney's really blown up. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I used to go to Carney a lot in high school and it's, it's really blown up, but it's, it's not do you Lincoln. own anything in that area? 
I have a cabin out at the out at it's right by Johnson Lake, Plum Creek Canyon. It's called. It's like a private. It's about a mile from Johnson Lake. It's just a private little spot where we got a beach and a dock, and it's on Airbnb if you want to check it out. But uh, I bought it with my buddy. My best friend lives out in Colorado, and it just kind of came. I mean, my brother-in-law, like uh, his buddy owned it who we knew as well and uh just kind of got it from a friend of a friend deal but i think we got it at at lot price or a little less and so we just kind of threw some furniture in it and airbnb it out and it's kind of nice because because my immediate family is getting real big my sister's got like six kids my brother's got a couple and you know by the time we're all back at my parents house like it's a little much so i just stay in the cabin now it's kind of nice that's awesome space it keeps me fresh that's awesome uh so you got to lincoln and you left a small town for the big city in Lincoln. Yeah, that's what it was. That's the way I felt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. And it, Lincoln has just grown uh, tremendously. But um, while you were in Lincoln, so did you, once you made it here, did you start working in construction again and you kept that going, yeah. it sounds like? Yeah, I mean, all these framing crews were hiring. So I got on a framing crew with a guy. And he was kind of, he was actually from Hastings. So I think I applied for an ad or something, but he, he kind of went crazy. Uh, I remember him yelling at me cause I couldn't, I couldn't hear the measurement he was calling out. And then he just like had a meltdown on me. Cause I was like, what? I can't hear you. And then he had a meltdown and I was like, All right, I'm, I'm done. And I just walked off <laughs> and he's like, Dave, where are you going? I was like, I'm done, dude. I'm writing you my address so you can send my last check. I literally opened the door to his car, wrote my address down. It's like, what am I going to do now? I was like, I don't know, man. With your <laughs> construction background, David, uh, have you noticed because uh, I-, I was just having this conversation literally yesterday how I'm not letting, because me owning that construction company, like I'm not letting it uh, dictate whether I'm going to be stressed or not. Because if, if you let it, like it, because construct if you want to get stressed if you're looking for the real stress in the world go work construction own a construction company uh because it, it's as little as like when you go to menards or any store locally those of you who are listening outside of nebraska um it's basically home depot right like sometimes you'll go 10 times just for that one little thing that you can't get right and i'm sure you can relate to that um and those are the things like I'm okay with it. Cause I know I signed what I signed up for, but if you tell most people, they're going to be like, you're crazy, right? Like what, what are you doing? Um, and the, the conversation that I was having was, uh, w- when we started, it was mostly just a roofing company. Uh, but it, I knew, you know, I didn't want to name it anything roofing. Cause I knew I wanted to grow it into building a house basically. And, uh, the, I, I remember, um, his name was Jeff, man. Shout out to Jeff. If you're listening, Jeff, uh, you know, and he was 60 something years old. And anyways, he taught me, a, he, he was like a mentor in the roofing industry, but I swear every, every chance he could, man, he would just get stressed out and go off. And I'm just like, <laughs> Whoa, man, like what has this done to, you know, cause, and he did all his life was roofing. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what's your thoughts on that? Well, you can be, I mean, you can be stressed about anything. Stress is just in your head. But like in construction, it's real easy because you, it's kind of about speed. Like the faster you frame a house, you're getting paid to frame the house. So the faster you do it, it, you know, the more you get paid. But so, so when you're doing something for a full day and all of a sudden you realize there was a mistake and like all that work you did, like it didn't really matter. And you got to go fix some stuff. 
Like that's a, that's a very frustrating thing. Yeah. And like <laughs> I've seen a lot of tool belts fly. I mean, man, I was working. I was working on the craziest framing crew in town. This guy was running an ad for like five, ten years. And, and I mean, there was just a lot of a lot of crazy stuff. Everybody was frustrated all day long just because we were never fast enough. And it was mm. just a constant hurry up, hurry up. You're too slow. Everybody get yelled at every day. So it's easy to get frustrated. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And what, what are some stuff that you do uh, because I – you know, one, one thing you mentioned that's, uh, that, that hit me hard was the bigger, the problem you solve, the bigger, the money. And obviously the bigger, the problem you have to solve for that money, the more stress, uh, what are some ways that you deal with stress nowadays? Uh, you just try to flip. I mean, I think I've developed a really solution mindset. Like you, you get a problem and you have to look at your problems as, as, as good things like like one of the worst things that'll happen in your life like when i was 19 years old and i realized i have a daughter from a girl and i'm married with like i thought that was going to be the worst problem in my life but it turns out it was like she's taught me so much it's made me into the person i am like everything turned out really really great so so who do you who are you to judge your problems like you think you got a problem today but wait six months wait six years like is that a, look at your problems in the past and realize, wow, this, you know, those were actually really great things that mm. happened to me. So now you get a problem today. I don't even like using the word problem. It's a situation. I used struggle. So, so you in a situation. Well, this mm. is just a situation I get to solve and this will make me better when I figure out how to solve it. So my brain automatically goes to the solution. Like something comes up. It's like, how, what's the solution? I don't, mm. I don't care about the situation. It's just a temporary situation. What's the solution? And you just focus on nothing but the solution. And, and I, I mean, I seen a Dean Graziosi book up there. Like I learned a lot from that guy. He used to be in his 25 K groups. And like, he, he was always the analogy of, uh, when, when somebody spills milk on your floor, like, are you just going to sit there and be like, Oh man, who spilled this milk? Like what's, what are you guys doing? No, you, you go and you wipe it up you, mm. solution and it's done. Like, like all your problems are pretty much like that. You go figure it out, figure out how to make the most out of it. I mean, there's always, always bigger problems out there mm. and people have it way worse than us. I mean, we don't really have problems in America. Like, like I mean, yeah. you're, you're first generation, uh, yeah, immigrant, immigrant yeah. right? Like, mm -hmm. like i'm guessing i'm guessing your daily life when you wake up today like you don't have your problems are pretty small yeah. compared to what they used to oh, be oh yeah right? no for sure no you know what that's uh that's that's so crazy you bring that up i talk about that on my on my book because uh it, it says actually i was telling you earlier that uh i went to with the client earlier look at some concrete work that we we're doing here in lincoln and uh I saw a book sitting there. So I brought up my book and we just started talking. And, and that was one of the conversations we had was cause he's like, Oh my God, I love the title of your book. He's like that. I'm going to order it, send me the link or whatever. And, and I, he just built his house while he was living in it. And like, it was a cool story. Like his story was just awesome. Like he's like, no, I, he's like, I order stuff from Menards. He's like, I, once it was, uh, somewhat livable. He's like, you know, I mean, it didn't have walls and I'm like, wow. And so he's like, <laughs> that reminds, walls? yeah, <laughs> no, it's crazy. Yeah. And he was like, it reminded me of, uh, how comfortable we have gotten in America. Yeah. And so 
you know, he started telling me about that. And so one analogy that I use, it's like, even like people take, take it for granted. Like my mom used to turn a fire, right? Like to cook. And here it's like, you turn a switch and you got fire and, and the microwave, if you don't want to cook, just throw it in the microwave. Right. Like, uh, and, and I, that's what makes America beautiful, but people don't, it seems like people forget those little things. We're so caught up in the comfortable that, and, and, you know, I hate the word comfortable, by the way. Uh, I like to use happy. I'm happy where I'm at uh, because I think you could always be practicing the power of being uncomfortable to get to the next level. And there's always that higher mountain anyway. So it's 100%. like, be happy. <laughs> yeah. So, so I love that. Um, you, you know, with, with the problems, like uh, I love your, your solution. And it's so true, man. There's so many people that sit there and just, that like going back to that milk, like, Oh my God, what, you know, what milk. And that's what I do with my kids. It's like, Hey, pick it up. Like, let's get it over with. Like you could sit there and cry or (laughs) you you can yell at your kids about it, but yelling at your kid. I mean, is that really going to do any good when they have an accident? Like everybody makes mistakes. Just fix it. How can we fix it? Yeah. When, when did that entrepreneurship bug hit you or bit you? I always say hit you. I mean, I always mean, I just, (laughs) I, it's, I think it's just been with me pretty much my whole life. Uh, when, even when I was younger, like I inherited this mowing business for my brother cause he went off to college and he had these clients. So I got to like mow lawns and like, I got paid decent for what I did. I wasn't, wasn't real passionate about it or nothing, but like I had to make myself do it. But like I was, I started as an entrepreneur and then once I got a regular job, you know, I'd worked there long enough to be like. I would just see different ways of doing it and think like, well, I could do it better. And then, and then, you know, I'm working at a framing job in Lincoln for like four years, you know, and I'd give these guys ideas and they, because I jumped around from a couple different framing crews. So I got different ideas and I'd gave these guys and they actually listened and I was working there and I got, you know, kind of comfortable, <laughs> but I don't, I don't like being comfortable and it, yeah. no good things come from being comfortable. So like I decided to go off on my own just because like there was just no, I didn't like being comfortable. Some people like being comfortable. Some people are employees. I mean, you can look up the stat of who I think there's just a certain thing you're born with to be an entrepreneur. I think it's only like 12 or 15% or something of people that are actually entrepreneurs. And I mean, there's honestly, there's a lot of people today that, that entrepreneurs all like this new sexy thing and everybody, and there's a lot of opportunities. You can make money on YouTube mm-hmm. tomorrow. And, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities, but certain people are, I mean, I know a lot of people like they're, they're just have an employee mindset. Like mm. they got side gigs, but they're not afraid to take that jump and, and put it all on me. But I guess the my favorite thing about entrepreneurship is you know who to blame. Mm. Like when you're not having success, you know who to blame. Like, like yeah. it's, it's up to me. So I know who to blame. I can control that. And I know whose fault it is. I know who to yell at. Yeah. And I guess control and freedom was a huge thing. I was more free this way. I could control more things. And that's, I mean, ultimately what just led me to be an entrepreneur, which I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years was my last job was 15 years ago. It's almost like you're describing it, but what is the American dream to you? Um, freedom, being able to do, I mean, what you want when you want, being able to, I mean, I'm at a point where I really want to help others. So I really appreciate you having me on because hopefully people can take my story and, and 
help others. So I'm getting too comfortable. Like this whole being on podcast. You keep looking at the book. Like, yeah, the power, like, I hate being comfortable. This, this being on a podcast makes me uncomfortable. So I, I'm trying to figure out ways to get more uncomfortable. Cause like, I mean, I just got this new sauna. So I wake up, I get to go to the sauna in my garage and it's just like, I, I bought that so I wouldn't get comfortable. Like that's something I can be uncomfortable every day. I think you should do something that makes you uncomfortable every single day or you just get soft mm. and, and you don't get as sharp. And it's, I mean, you're not being your best self. Yeah. They, I, I posted a video <clears throat> a couple of days ago with the weather. I was like probably the coldest day out of the week so far. Cause I look at, I look at it every morning uh, and it's funny, normally below 20, I'll jump on my treadmill uh, cause I love running outside, but, um, it was like 16, I want to say 15, 16 or something. Wind chills probably cold. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? And so I, I got out there, man, this whole week I ran outside and, and I made a video pointing that out. Like, Hey, let's get uncomfortable. Like this is uncomfortable. You don't, but Pete, you know, and it's that mindset that we need to get over that. Um, Oh, you're going to get sick. You're going to, you know, that comfortable thinking, right? Like, uh, but, but little do people know, like actually shocking your body and cold in the cold is actually a great thing, right? 100%. Like it, it's like the opposite of what we were taught. So I, I love that you're touching on all that. And since we're in the subject, I, uh, one of the questions I ask every guest is, uh, what was one way that you practiced the power of being uncomfortable? Like my book that paid off and what, and I'm obviously in your success, there's many ways, right? Like there's many ways that you have to get uncomfortable to, to get to where you're at. But what pops to your head when you hear that question? What's the first answer? Uh, just I mean, repeat the question. So basically what is one way that you got uncomfortable that you practice the power of being uncomfortable that paid off and got success out I of mean, it? Just, just, I mean, I was afraid to talk to strangers. Like I was afraid to make a phone call. Uh, I mean, now everybody's afraid to do something for the first time. I mean, most people are afraid to do something for the first time. Uh, so you just gotta, the more I t attack uncomfortable, the, the better human being I become. Mm. So I'm something now I'm trying to switch in this. I work on a lot of trying to switch my brain to, Oh, that makes me uncomfortable. Go do it. Just go do it right away. And then it's even better. Like, I love doing these. We'll do these 30 day challenges with a couple guys where, where we ran a hundred miles in March, uh, this year, man, and like, <laughs> talk about getting so you uncomfortable. Got, you got 30 days, <laughs> yeah, you got 30 days, but like, you don't have to run every day, but if you don't like there's huge consequences and then you got, we had a little group text going on, but it, it was awesome. I mean, you could walk them, but you gotta be outside. Like it was, it was cold. I mean, I had yeah. some ice in my beard, but yeah, you run to the cold, you don't get colds. I didn't mm. get a cold coming out of last winter at all because yeah, you shot yeah. your system. Like you said, man, I love that. That, that was a great answer. Uh, and so the million dollar hustle podcast, uh, and I want to say this is probably the first time I kind of mentioned it. Well, I, I probably threw jabs here and there, but it's actually a book that I'm going to write. Uh, and it's basically habits of how to become a millionaire. We'll say, because, uh, and you know, I've had, kind of fighting between like, I, I just don't like the whole millionaire and all that. But I think if, if that's what I got to do to get somebody's attention to listen and, and hopefully change their life, uh, then that's what I'm going to do. And so I'm kind of giving the round down or, or the, the story behind that. So that way I can ask you this question, because I feel like 
all the habits are probably going to be the same. The power of being uncomfortable is actually a habit in the million dollar hustle. And so what are some habits? If you had to give me, we'll say five habits uh, in order for you to get on your million dollar hustle to become a millionaire, what are the have the five habits that come to your head? Um, I'm not great at all these either, but we, I mean, waking up early. I mean, you can just, just look at all other millionaires, like, and figure out what they do. So I would say waking up early, continuing education for sure. Like you're, you don't get too old to learn new things. Um, uh, masterminds are a big thing. I know you say you got a mastermind that you just started a while ago. So that's, that's awesome. Just being around, I mean, like-minded people putting yourself proximity is power. Uh, another exercise health is very important. I mean, exercise and eating right. If you don't exercise and eat right, like I think it's Jesse Hitzler said, we got one job, one job to stay healthy. You don't do that job. You're, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> so it's like you, yeah. got, you got one job. So stay healthy. Um, it just, I mean, what's lost today, especially with contractors is do what you say you're going to do. I mean, if I had to boil it down to one thing, why, why I get a lot of deals brought to me now is because I just do what I say I'm going to do. I don't say I'm going to close at this price and then come back with a bullshit answer of why I didn't close at this mm. price. Like, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. Now, there's excuses and there's reasons. Mm. You know, if you got a real reason, you got to be careful you don't justify it and switch them because yeah. there's kind of a fine line. But like there's certain reasons like inflation or the rates going up. That's a reason why all of a sudden, you know, a two and a half million dollar apartment building is not worth two and a half million because when the rates jump from 47 percent, like I'm looking at my mortgage calculator every day now. Like that's a reason because like it's two, three thousand dollars different in your mortgage payment. Like that, there goes all your profit. Yeah, you can't you can't pay that. So that's a reason. So, you know, we're, we're using that in negotiations now. That's a main thing. And finding buyers is important right now. You have the crystal ball right now in your hand, and it's something that I was telling you off air that I was going to ask you. Uh, and you mentioned you've done this before. Like I said, you're the Kiyosaki, right? Like <laughs> uh, you said, you've done it before, where you kind of see the market. Uh, so, what are what are we looking at right now? And uh, this will air probably around uh, February, uh, just so you know. So uh, it's you know two three months from now. But what what's going on, or even January? Like what what's go 2023? What are we looking at? Well, I mean, the things I'm trying to do now is solve problems which the biggest problem is these rising interest rates. And the biggest problem is everybody, buyers are being limited. Now sellers still think their house is worth X, but it's just flat out not and the inventory is picking up. So that I'm working on solving the, the interest rate problem, which is finding more money cheaper I mean, my, my girlfriend's in California. She runs a business in Qatar. And those guys have like, you know, 50 million cash sitting around. So we're talking to those guys because in every wholesale deal, you should ask who's it worth the most to. And when people can't get access to cash here in America, everybody's leveraged. And all of a sudden, our, our percentage is costing us, you know, the money's costing way more. So we have to figure out that problem. So that's that's what I'm working on now. Where do I see the market going is, I, I don't know when these interest rates are gonna come down. I don't think they're gonna come down that soon. Uh, 
and inventory is spiking. And and rule number one of business is supply and demand. So we've we've just had a supply shortage in high demand because money's been cheap for a long time. And all of a sudden it's switching where the the demand is going down because of these high interest rates and the supply is going up because people are selling their house for whatever reason. Now, I don't think there'll be a lot of foreclosures, but I don't know where the market's going. All I know is supply is coming up and demand is going down. So the market's going down. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I talked to our title company and he said we had a slowdown in June this year of transactions just all transaction. And I said, when's the last time you've seen a slowdown in June? He's like, never. I've been here 25 years. So he didn't see a slowdown in June in like 08 here in Lincoln, which is crazy. So, and every year the market slows down in winter. So I'm just being, being very cautious about what I'm buying right now. Don't buy it unless it cash flows. And, you know, I think we're in for a hard winter, a long winter. You got something on the market, like you're in a tough position right now. Mm. And we're negotiating good deals with sellers right now because because of the supply and demand issue. With that, David, uh, what are some stuff that you're doing? Uh, because you you talked about it a little earlier that you kind of do what the market tells you to do. Mm -hmm. So what is it telling you to do right now? Well, I think about buying more houses because I think the inventory's ticking up. I mean, there's a house for sale at Capitol Beach for like two hundred seventy grand. It's a nice house, all stage, real fancy, like double garage like that thing would be gone at 300 last year so all of a sudden that thing's been on the market like six months i was just looking at it. i was like the market's telling me houses are getting cheaper i mean apartments are they're they're tough to make cash flow so i think right now a house is easier to make cash flow because you can get you know a hundred fifty thousand dollar house put 25 grand into it mm -hmm. rent it out at two grand and, and even with the high interest rates it's a lot easier um, so we're doing that. We've had real good luck um, not underestimating rent. Like we put things, I mean, I put a townhouse for rent for 2900 which is no business being, but like we had options where we could sell it or, or rent it. And like I got a rent for like 2700 and some, and like there's rent comps in the area for 2000 1800 Uh But we were real personal with our tenants and we try to be the do really well with communications and fix problems really fast. So we apparently we are justifying that price because somebody's willing to pay it. I mean, there there's nothing more true than the pricing mechanism of the marketplace. So you keep looking at, I mean, just study the market, figure out what's selling for what. I mean, all of a sudden we have a ton of houses in between 100 and 200 grand right now. So the market's telling me I can get a deal. Where I couldn't do that for the last three, four years. Like mm -hmm. it was very difficult. So that's the market's telling me to, to it's easy to buy rental houses right now because there's so much supply and there's a lot of vacant houses sitting. Mm -hmm. And Man. keep buying apartments because there's going to be people over leveraged. There's builders that are going to be, that are over leveraged. I mean, new builds are really high in Omaha. I noticed there's a ton on the market today. Mm. And that hasn't been the case in years. Yeah, yeah. Do you do a lot of stuff in Omaha too? No, I just happened to be talking to a guy this morning and checking inventory, and I was, that is a lot for sale. And he's got a bunch of stuff coming to the market, so I'm like trying to figure out how to solve his problem. And you know, that's 
inventory is beginning the problem if you got you know 10 20 houses sitting empty like you got a problem and what's the best thing to solve it well rents are still high yeah and talking to banks banks are bankers have nothing to do that's another problem they got nothing to do well reach out to your banker hey you got anybody who's got an assumable mortgage you can try out i mean try to get an assumable mortgage at three and a half four percent like that's huge you can pay somebody way more money for their house everybody i mean that's going to be a huge thing the next year doing those sub two deals i mean assuming mortgages like that's that's how you that's that's the easiest way to make a deal work now yeah yeah no it's yeah there's there's definitely a lot of uh loops that we have to (laughs) be mindful of nowadays uh do you think that uh the last two years was was almost like a fantasy though for real estate yeah yeah that's a good way of putting it 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 wasn't (laughs) wasn't real but like they just were printing money and they was low interest rates so everybody was buying yeah especially i mean the lowest interest rates we've ever seen pretty much and yeah so i i read a meme the other day or something or on a page or something that uh they were just saying how like oh it's seven percent right now and th- again this is currently in november uh, they're like oh seven percent that's cute you know it was 18 percent or whatever yeah. back in, what, in the, the 80s. 80s or something but obviously the house was 40 grand at that time too so yeah. uh but you know i i think overall um would you agree with this too that uh this is also opportunity uh, for, I, I think out of, out of this whole thing that, you know, the recession, whatever you, whatever we want to call it, uh, I think there's also going to be a lot of rich people coming out of it. Do you, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of good deals all of a sudden. There's always going to be motivated sellers in the market. People get divorced every day. People mm. die every day. I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, bad news for one person is good news for somebody else. Like people are in a, bad situation they got i mean the houses are costing money's just sitting there you got a vacant house it costs you real money to mm. maintain now you got to winterize it or keep heat on i mean there's a lot of houses sitting on the market so that's a big opportunity for anybody in real estate like solve the seller's problem how can you solve the seller's problem mm. i mean you can take it out put a tin in there or i mean you can make a deal with the seller to fix it up right now you got a construction company i'll be trying to make deals with sellers of like I want this house cheap. I can fix it. Or, I mean, it's doing you no good. It's costing you money to sit vacant. So yeah, there's there's opportunity in every market. Mm, man, yeah, love it, love it, man. That that's a great way to put it. Uh, overall, when you think of your story, David, uh, what are some things that um, you would do different, and what are things that you would continue doing? I mean, I screwed up a lot of things, <laughs> but like. I don't, I don't really regret any of it. Like, you know, you, you start trying to figure out what you shouldn't have done. Well, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's like, those were the problems. I shouldn't have done that. Well, that made me learn a lot better. Like when I screw something up and, and the, you know, the harder the mistake hurts, the, the better I learn from it. Mm. And I think that's, that's just the way we're wired. So I don't, I don't really anything to do different. I mean, yeah there's a lot of different things i i mean acquisitions and raising money is the two highest things you can highest producing activities you can do in real estate so i would have figured out and i still don't know how to raise private money very well at all it's not my bag but i should be doing more of that 
and just figuring out how to acquire properties cheaper. Just focus on those two things more. Mm, love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, yeah, that that's definitely uh great, great things that you, you definitely have to be mindful of when you get into real estate. Uh, what are some things you've learned just raising capital overall? Uh, you know, what are some pointers and pros and cons again, that you could give out? I don't do a lot of it, but the, the best deals I have, we were able to raise like private money from my buddy's dad. Uh, were they're like two of the best deals I've done. So I should be doing more of that. Uh, but like, yeah, we raised, we had to raise like 360 grand for a down payment on a 40 unit apartment building in York. And we got that, we paid it off early. Um, but that, that deal netted us, 225k in 11 months and that was on a refinance so the taxes implications were pretty good and it's cash flowing now so i mean just a home run mm -hmm. we have another deal we did where we had to raise i mean raise just be direct with what you want i mean i'm probably not an i'm not an expert on this so take my advice what you want but if you, you got to be know exactly what you want and, and be direct with it that's the best way of doing it. Cause yeah, we partnered up on some townhomes in, in Manhattan, Kansas, and they're just flat out home run, just cash flowing like crazy. And they're the easy, we get no complaints. I get no noise from tenants there. My property manager is great. And, we, and you know, we had to raise some, I think 360 times three is what we had to raise, whatever that is. Mm. 1.08, 1,080,000. Wow. We had to raise that, but we did it in, in, few weeks i mean just kept running it by people wow the hustle man i like it i like yeah. it uh you mentioned your daughter uh what's your do you have any other kids married like what's your personal life like i'm 40 i've never been married <laughs> i got a i got a 12 year old son who's just a blast and i got a 20 year old daughter who lives not very far from me now so it's nice they keep me real balanced so they're like complete opposites. The Twelve-year-old's <laughs> finally starting to be like, uh, I don't want to hang out with you as much. <laughs> I want yeah, to hang with too my cool. <laughs> uh, but they're great. I mean, my girlfriend lives in California, Orange County, right now. She's coming up uh, tomorrow. Mm, nice. uh, so we're kind of doing a long-distance relationship, but it's it's been it's been really good. It's a lot of fun. Um, what else do you want to know? I live in a big Airbnb. That's that keeps me. Uh, entertained i guess i bet <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that, that's a big house that i feel i got at land value and, and nice i mean i can almost cover my expenses. i don't even really try to airbnb it because i don't like i don't like staying at hotels and move my stuff i have a big locked area with all my stuff but mm -hmm. uh i got a big sloppy put a, put a studio in there man what's that put a studio in there <laughs> yeah I, I, mean, I got plenty of room <laughs> but it works it works pretty well for what it is and it's, yeah it's like a medieval place i i like it love it man love it love it uh and what's happiness to you man what does happiness mean progress i mean to me if we're not progressing then i and i just get irritated and that's you know every area you should be you should be healthier than you were. I mean, I'm, I'm 40, but I'm still trying to be in the best shape of my life. I think I am in the best shape of my life. So I want to have progress there. And at some point, that's probably going to trail off. But, you know, 
Brady, he's, he's doing it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> doing what he's doing. So I'm just looking to people that, that keep their health up. There's a lot of older guys that like are amazing when it comes to health. So it's so just progressing in, in every areas of my life, you know, becoming a better father. You know, you learn, you got kids, you learn stuff every day. And so just progress to me is super important. If we don't have progress, there's problems. Mm, man, love it, love it. And as much as I hate it, man, we got to wrap it up. Uh, but I always ask the last uh, same kind of questions to it, all, all the guests that we have. And the first question that I have for you is, uh, if you were to look at your younger self right now, what is what is one piece of advice you would give yourself? I would just say believe in yourself more. Um, it's still something I'm struggling with. Just don't waste time. You don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know if you wake up tomorrow. So try not to waste any time. Make the most of your time every day, you know, stay present. I mean, just develop tiny little habits every day. That's all love you love it. Do. Love it. Love it. And, uh, if there was a three-step formula to success and it, and you do these three things, you're not going to fail. You're going to be successful. What are the three things? I mean, health, continuing education and doing what you say you're going to do. I would say if you, you figure those things out, you're good. Love it, man. Love it. Love it. And, uh, if you were to write a book, what would be the theme and title of that book? I don't know. <laughs> to me, it's, it's probably, I've been in real estate so long, so it would probably be real estate related. I think that would help out the most people. I would have to figure out a way to do what I thought would help the most people. And then you're going to just, you know, you're going to sell the most books, honestly. So I would probably, I mean, when you solve somebody's financial crisis, it really helps them out. So I would have to intertwine real estate and health somehow and figure that out. But I, I don't know. I got a long ways to go before I write a book. <laughs> I, I got enough problems. I got to solve situations. I got to solve myself before I write a book. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Love it, man. Uh and what what's your and and I'm kind of just throwing this question out there just a bonus question um what is the the way for you that uh you think people could solve their financial uh problem like what would you tell somebody that's stuck right now because i I think anything negative I can point it back to money and and it's not that right like money is everything you know but it's very important. Like <laughs> you, yeah. you could literally, if you have 10 problems, I bet you nine of them at least are money related. So if you focus on that, I think you can make your life easier. So what would you say to somebody? I mean, yeah, if you can, if you can write a check for the problem, it's not a problem. And a lot of problems. If people today, like if they could write a check, that wouldn't be a problem. But to, to me, you just got to really monitor your daily habits. Like when you go into a house and you see a tenant, I mean, they're, they've, you know, we used to see dog poop all over the floor. You know, these, these are just, the whole house is a, you know, a, a shit show. Yeah, and there's literally. stuff everywhere. They're just, <laughs> they've just, you know, they've let their habits go. It's like they didn't, they decided not to pick up the dog shit today. And then that just grew into a bunch. And mm. so you just got to try to monitor your habits and figure out, you know, where you can get better every day. Mm. 
That's your bad habits. All it is is just a little tweak in your habit. Start small. And, and I mean, just with money, you, there's so many, so much free information out there today. So if you got money problems, I mean, Google money problems, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. listen to a bunch of podcasts like this, like figure out what you want to do, figure yeah. out what you're passionate about and, and go do that on the side. And that'll solve a lot of your problems. Mm. If you're super passionate about something, you're going to figure out a way to monetize it. Love it, man. That That's deep right there. Uh, and, and it's so funny. I couldn't help but think when you were mentioning the, that ha the shitty show, right? Like the shit show that <laughs> literally, um, I, I heard this concept years back that, uh, however your house, however messy your house is, or even your car is how your brain is, how your, your mindset is. And if, if it is a shit show, then that's what's going in your mind. So I think that could even be a one way to start, right. To yeah. clean your house and, and pick up thing, put things where they go. So I love that. That that's uh, I don't know. It just reminded me of that. <laughs> yeah, I got to work on that when I get home too. <laughs> there you go. Oh, we all do, man. We all do. Uh, what is uh, one way that people can get a hold of you, your social medias and all that? Uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I don't, I don't do much on social media. Uh, I like the, the local meetups. I've been missing them. Been out of town a lot lately. Um, but Facebook and Instagram, I don't even remember my Instagram handle. DBADMCHS, I think. It's <laughs> handle. But uh, yeah, just hit me up on Facebook and Instagram. Probably the easiest. Love it, man. Well, David, I want to thank you, man, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And this has been awesome. I I can't wait. I have notes and I can't wait to listen to it again and take some notes. Uh, I really appreciate it, man. Hey, thank you, man. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, man. And uh, any, everybody out there listening, make sure you guys subscribe to my YouTube channel at Believe the Kid, D-H-A-K-I-D-D. And matter of fact, wherever you're listening to this on Spotify, uh, wherever, YouTube, wherever, screenshot where you're listening and tag us. And we're going to reshare that um, so that way we could spread awareness man because this is what life is all about if you could sit there and think for this hour of this uh episode uh, you could literally change your life just if you pick up one little thing so that's what we're trying to do with this show so make sure you guys follow us uh, at million dollar hustle pod and then at billy the kid on instagram other than that we'll see you next time what's going Mama on notes? with your uh the mentor group your your Oh, the, the men. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, we're meeting tonight. Actually, yeah, <laughs> I was about to be like, all right, the peace mastermind out. group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah, we're we're meeting tonight. Actually, uh, the the mastermind. Um, I was telling you a little bit about it, man, and uh, I'm I'm excited. Uh, just to see all the the guys, the growth that they've they've done, man. Uh, yeah. maybe you should jump in on one of these so you could just check it out. I'd love yeah, some feedback too. Well, it was great hearing how you helped a 60 year old guy and you have the younger, you know, 20 something. Too. Yeah. Yeah. We have uh, our cool age group stuff. is literally from 22 to 60 years old and everything in between. And, and that's, what's awesome. Uh, because as much as they're learning, I'm learning and that's what the mastermind is all about. So, uh, matter of fact, uh, anybody listening info at Billy, if you guys want to hear more about it, uh, we we've tried to keep it small, but uh, I think we could handle one more person in there. If, if we could change somebody's life, man. Uh, and just, and if you haven't check out the testimonials, they're on my YouTube. I've had uh, the guys just do some testimonials and hear it for yourself. Uh, I think if you surround yourself with the right people, you're going to see a change, right? For sure. <laughs> Proximity is power. That's how it is. So thanks for, thanks for asking, man. I appreciate it. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe and I'll see you next time. Vamonos. Tra.
keep it going. You gotta trust the process. You be who you hang with, and you hanging out with bosses. To hang with us, you gotta be stable. And it's a must to bring something to the table.